If you're a fan of vultures or mountains, or even if you're just feeling a little bit wild, stay with me. We have the episode for you. The Rodopi Mountains in Bulgaria rise to over 2,000 meters with deep river gorges and steep cliffs. They cover close to 15,000 square kilometers and are the only breeding area for Eurasian griffin vultures and the most important breeding site for the globally threatened Egyptian vulture on the Balkan Peninsula, to name but two of my favorite vultures. The Rodopis are also one of eight pilot sites for a network with a new vision for nature conservation that's called Rewilding Europe. Rewilding Europe is a non-profit organization based in the Netherlands. It works to take landscapes throughout Europe back to their original wild state. As people increasingly move into urban areas, Rewilding Europe takes rural areas where the population is going down and makes them wild again. Here to tell us more about this project is our wild correspondent, Nicola. Can you start off with telling us what rewilding is? Hi, Matt. So rewilding activities are basically conservation efforts aimed at restoring and protecting natural processes and wilderness areas. Restoring. Can't you just leave the place alone and allow nature to move back in? Well, actually, it may require active human intervention to achieve rewilding. Approaches can include removing human artifacts such as dams or bridges, connecting wilderness areas, and protecting or reintroducing apex predators and uh, keystone species. Oh, all the vulture fans are getting really excited when you mentioned apex predators. Apex predators are carnivores that don't have any natural enemies, and vultures are among them. Sounds like you're a vulture fan. I am, particularly the one in Jungle Book 2 that was voiced by Phil Collins. But he did have a predator. He was eaten by the tiger. Anyhow, which approach is rewilding Europe using in Bulgaria? Well, in Bulgaria, in the Rodopis, uh, rewilding Europe is working with local entrepreneurs to boost small-scale nature-based tourism by repairing wildlife photography heights, training local entrepreneurs, and demonstrating the commercial value of wild nature. What they're trying to do, in essence, is to prove there is a great business case for investing in nature. Hang on, a business case? What does business case have to do with rewilding? Well, this will finance the rewilding of the region, as well as preventing poisoning, poaching and power line electrocutions that reduced the number of griffin vultures to only 10 pairs at the lowest point. To achieve this, Rewilding Europe introduced an anti-poisoning dog unit to spot hazards for vultures. It is also building artificial nests to attract black vultures to start new colonies. And it is also working with local electricity companies to insulate the power lines. Oh, we got black vultures too. This is getting better and better. And while the locals were using poison baits to keep the wolf population down, Rewilding Europe actually brought in fallow and red deer so that there would be more natural prey for the wolves. That's a key selling point in attracting vultures, because the birds feed on what's left of the carcasses once the wolves finish eating. That sounds great, but how did the locals react? You know, suddenly all these predators move in. <laughs> it can make you a bit jumpy, right? Well, there are fewer and fewer shepherds in this area these days, and the ones remaining understand that if you bring in deer, you also distract the wolves from their sheep and their cattle as it's always easier for wolves to go for the wild animals. The locals also understand that the rewilding efforts help diversify their income by appealing to tourists from the capital, Sofia, and outside the country as well. That means business for bed and breakfasts, in addition to livestock management. So in a sense, 
the locals understood that a live wolf is worth more to them than a dead one. Exactly. What was also important was to make them understand that nothing will change overnight. Uh, Rewilding Europe has committed to stay there for at least 10 years and will offer them a whole toolkit to change their relationship with nature. Rewilding rural areas is not the only thing the organization does. Let me ask you something, Matt. Have you ever heard of an auroch? There, there was some mention of the auroch in the Asterix cartoons. If I'm not mistaken, it's an extinct type of cow that roamed throughout Europe centuries ago. Close enough, Matt. But allow me to be a bit more precise. You are right. Aurochs are indeed extinct. If our listeners are struggling to imagine how these animals looked, these are the big horn wild ancestors of domestic cattle often depicted on cave paintings. They were up to 1.8 meters tall and weighed up to more than a ton. They were present basically everywhere in Europe, Asia and Africa, and the animal played a significant role in early cultures throughout the three continents. Even before Asterix, Zeus, the chief god of Greek mythology, took the form of an aurochs bull to seduce and kidnap the beautiful princess Europa, from whom our continent supposedly got its name. Exactly. You're completely right, Matt. The aurochs developed during what is called the Pleistocene era, and when extinct around 400 years ago. But their genes are actually still alive and well in some ancient cattle breeds. What does an extinct animal have to do with rewilding, then? Well, part of rewilding Europe's job is using these ancient cattle to breed the taurus, a species of auroch-type wild cattle that's able to survive on its own. You, you're blowing my mind. They've brought back an extinct ancient cow. They did. Okay, but okay, now, now my blown mind is also a curious mind. Why did they bother? First, you have to understand how Europe's ecosystem functions. Biodiversity requires a diversity of landscapes, not only forests, but also more open areas. Now, for the first time in history, we have come to a stage where in many places there is no grazing anymore. So the diversity of natural grasslands with their flowers, birds and butterflies is no longer maintained by its natural architects. Originally, the auroch was one of the key species to take care of that. Along with them, and especially for the last millennia, this task has partly been accomplished with the help of farmers and their livestock, which at least in its traditional grass grazing mode is quickly coming to an end. But if those natural grazers are extinct and there are fewer and fewer farmers or shepherds and the domestic cattle have left us as well... That's why Rewilding Europe decided to try to bring back the original grazers. This is sounding more and more like Jurassic Park, Nicola, and we know how that ended up. No worries, Matt. There is no extracting DNA from amber nor cloning involved here whatsoever. Uh, you feel a bit more relaxed? Yeah, sure. Okay. So since 99% of the genes of the original grazers are still in the genes of domesticated breeds today, the Taurus program, as it's called, has been using various primitive breeds to create a more resilient cow, one that could fend for itself. There are currently several hundred animals bred, and early results of introducing them to the wild are showing promise. Besides having a positive impact on Europe's biodiversity, is there a more direct uh, climate change angle to this project, Nicola? There actually is. Believe it or not, rewilding can mitigate global climate change. An example of this would be rewilding pasture land, thereby reducing the number of cows and sheep and increasing the number of trees. Which reduces carbon. Exactly. Another element to mitigating climate change is restoring the Pleistocene megafauna, such as the auroch. By restoring large herbivores, 
greenhouse gas levels may be lowered. Grazers may also reduce fire frequency by eating flammable bush, which would in turn lower greenhouse gas emissions. Megafauna also aid in carbon storage. In fact, the loss of megafauna that eat fruits may be responsible for up to 10% of lost carbon storage in forests. That sounds exciting. Then all we have to do is see if life indeed finds a way. So thanks, Nicola, not only our wild correspondent, but our megafauna correspondent. We're reporting on a new climate project every week on climate solutions. They're all different, but each of them will make you look at the solutions to climate change in a new way. Subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Listen to the previous seasons of Climate Solutions, too. We've got a series on the innovations that are going to save us from climate disaster and another one on how green finance is going to help pay for it all. Thanks for listening to Climate Solutions from the European Investment Bank.